Hello. Hello. Welcome to True Neutral True Crime. Yes. We're we're doing we're doing a a, a nasty one today. Uh, so content warning up front, I guess, uh, yeah. for lots of nasty things done specifically to children. It's yeah. a it's a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll still make jokes. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure if you're uncomfortable with any of that, it's cool. Um, to, it's cool to skip these episodes. There's like cannibalism. Pretty sure I finally get my cannibal episode. Yeah, there's a little bit of eating. Um, so we're gonna be talking about someone who's known as the Gray Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, and the Boogeyman, Albert Fish. True neutral, true crime. Yes. Yes. Born in Washington, D.C. on May 19th, 1870 to Randall and Ellen Fish. His father, Randall, was 43 years older than his mother and was 75 at the time of Albert's birth. Jesus Christ. He was the youngest of four children. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, being... 10 and your dad's basically on his deathbed you're like or 85 i guess not on his deathbed but you know like well i mean this that's was old this was in the 1800s like he was born in and that's really old for back then yeah i mean like the the accounts of people dying younger are like a little bit exaggerated for sure but people still didn't live to be like 85 90 every time like you know what i mean that's still rare a lot of times to today I think back then it was uh, definitely more a symbol of wealth in most cases, too. Because, yeah. you know, the conditions were just poor for poor people. The, yeah. the conditions of living were just a lot worse than the conditions of living for Poor for poverty's sake. Yeah. I mean, and I guess to a lesser extent that's still, you know, as it is today, obviously, you know, the, the homeless and then you uh, the different classes of... At least in America, you know, you get the lower Very class. Very evident different classes. Yeah, the lower class, the middle class, and the, the upper class have, like, very distinct differences in levels of health care and, you know, quality of life in that way. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Albert had three siblings, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. The name Albert came from a dead sibling. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Fuck. It's implied... That's- fucked up it's implied that there was more than one um dead sibling like it's just implied that they lost many a child yeah but like that's that's kind of a normal thing um but he he took the albert uh name to avoid ham and eggs because his name was uh hamilton howard fish okay yeah, so he oh, got... Oh, so it was a conscious decision he made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's a little different, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's still weird, but it's not as bad as your parents doing that to you. Like, oh, we're naming you after the brother that you would have had, but he died, so you get his name now. <laughs> like... <laughs> right. Uh, so he got the name Ham and Eggs at an orphanage uh, after uh, Randall... His father died of a fatal heart attack. His mother had to put him in an orphanage. Because she couldn't afford to yeah. take care of him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, whilst in the orphanage, Fish was regularly abused, but began to enjoy the pain and the physical torment. 
as you do. Sometimes. It took seven years, but Ellen Fish was able to get her son out of the orphanage after getting a government job. Though it seems to have indelibly damaged... Uh, he seems to have been indelibly damaged by his time there. I mean, once again, yeah, that that's gonna happen. As you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Around age 12, when back with his family, he started a relationship with a telegraph boy. This relationship introduced Fish to Eurolangnia? Eurolangnia? There's a G in there. Uh, <laughs> it's piss drinking. Okay. And coprophagia, which is shit eating. Yep. Um, this would further his extravagant desires. <laughs> Extravagance, uh, <laughs> a, a word choice there. Look, I wrote most of this out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm aware that that's your words. <laughs> I, it's an interesting word choice. Uh, well, you know, up to this point, it's all just like, you know, fucked up kinks, like, it's not something I'm into, but, like, as long as you're both consenting, none of this is really, you know, bad. Yeah, it's, I, it's, mean, I mean... it's it's gross. It's gross. It's gross to me, but, like, some people are into it, and, like, yeah. it doesn't hurt anybody to do it, so mm-hmm. whatever. It's just... Yeah. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. It's just weird, so... Yeah. Technically extravagant <laughs> is a fitting word. <laughs> Defending my vocabulary on word, one word of this big report. <laughs> it's not a big report. It's like three pages. <laughs> uh, according to Fish, he would look in classified ads and matrimonial agencies to find women to write wretched letters to. Okay. He just wrote nasty letters to random women. Oh. Like, that was just a hobby for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Age 20 in 1890, he moved to New York City where he would partake in sex work as well as molesting and raping young boys. Oof. He wasn't arrested in this time, and this seems to be on Fish's own words, so take that for what you will. Okay. That's... I mean, if he admitted to it, he, then you can... He, yeah, I think he probably... Did. He may have done worse than what he said. Yeah, yeah. It's, he may uh, have toned it down for the story. Very possible. Um... So, at 28, in an attempt to help him get off the street and, you know, back into a proper life, his mother arranged a marriage for him with the then 19-year-old Mary Hoffman. So, that's just bad decision-making. Yeah, so, nine-year age gap um, at taking him off the streets of gay sex work, presumably. Yeah. Because that's what he's into. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, yeah. Yeah, that's that's just that's just bad decision making. It it's a weird choice, but um, this union led to six children: Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry. All right. Uh, and I, <laughs> yes, I don't know. I'm just like the, I'm still stuck on that bad decision. <laughs> I'm like, but the only other real alternative is that like they put him into like a an institution or whatever. And back then they were doing like the the shock therapy and all sorts of like what we now think of as like barbaric yeah. ways of correcting that quote yeah. unquote. For the record, where it's still legal, ban gay conversion therapy. Shitty, shitty shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all those pray away the gay camps and shit. Fuck that. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Yeah, they're they're bad. They're, they're really bad. bad. They're bad places run by 
bad people. Bad people. I want to under say, the guise of being good people. I want to say well intentioned, but that's just it's just a level of like point, general you ignorance. Sit down and yeah. look at the decisions you've made and just realize that you were just a terrible person. Yeah, you, <laughs> you've just done wrong, and like you need to go away. Maybe if your god was real, he wouldn't while. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do something productive. Go ho- help a homeless or something. Don't give them White Lives Matter shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, ye. <laughs> In 1903, Fish is arrested for grand larceny and was locked up in Sing Sing prison, though it doesn't seem for long. Uh, Albert recounted a time when he went to a wax museum where he could be seen, uh, where could be seen a bisection of a penis. This sparked an interest in genital mutilation. You know how it goes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, around 1910, Very working in response. <laughs> Around 1910, working in Wilmington, Delaware. Hi, I'm in Delaware. (laughs) He met Thomas Kedden, a 19-year-old with whom Fish began a sadomasochistic relationship with. Oh, as you do. I mean, when you're in that situation. When you're in Delaware. In Delaware. What happens in Delaware stays in Delaware. Because nobody cares about Delaware. (laughs) I'm sorry if you live in Delaware. It's just an old bit. I don't know. That bit's literally as old as I am. Uh, Fisher's later confession implied Kedden may have been mentally deficient, so it may not, it may or may not have been consensual. Alrighty then, that seems on par for you know everything else you've said so far. Yeah, what we're dealing with here. Um, So, ten days after their quote-unquote relationship began, uh, Albert took Thomas Kedden to quote, an old farmhouse, unquote, tortured him for two weeks. After unnamed travesty, Fish took a blade to the young man's genitals, recreating the wax museum exhibit. He's quoted later as saying, I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me, unquote. Mm-hmm. Yup, don't like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Originally, he'd wanted to cut up the body and take the victim with him, but the heat gave him pause. So instead, he wrapped up the genitals in a Vaseline-covered handkerchief after pouring peroxide on the horrid wound he left. He left $10 with the body, kissed him goodbye, and left. Quote, took the first train I could to get back home. Never heard what became of him or tried to find out. Unquote. Never heard. He's gonna die. You mean... (laughs) Uh, he was dead when he left him. Yeah. He just, like, didn't hear what happened to his body and didn't ever bother to figure out, well, like... why would you? I don't know. That would have been some kind of news story somewhere. If you don't... I mean... If you're just out killing people, then you don't really care about that. There... Uh, you get the vibe off of, like, the way that people do their killings and things like that. Some of them are doing it and looking for that attention. Some of them... Like, the Zodiac is a very good sign of that. But those people go out seeking that attention. I, uh, I would argue the Zodiac is not a good example because there's never been credit taken for any of that. No, but it was the, the clear attention-seeking pattern of teasing the cops, sending them ciphers oh, yeah. and messages, putting things in the local newspapers and things like that, leaving clues all over the place. You'd still think there'd be, like, a deathbed confession for that or something. Unless they're still alive. 
unless they, there's no reason to have had a deathbed confession Maybe. yet. That's, I mean, that's possible. Because uh, we never caught them, we don't know how old or young they were. And the mask made it pretty hard to tell. Fun stuff. Interesting stuff. <laughs> Uh, in 1917, his wife left him for a handyman, leaving Fish to raise their children as a single father. It's like four or five kids, by the way. All right. Um, More bad decision-making. <laughs> uh, just, just, good awful. God, what is wrong with these people? Uh, around this time, Albert began to have auditory hallucinations, reportedly rolling himself in a rug and following the instruction of John the Apostle. <laughs> he also, around this time, started to embed needles in his own groin, spank oh. himself with a nail-studded paddle, and insert wool coated with lighter fluid in his anus and set it alight. That can't be good for you. I don't think that's what he was going for. No, I'm sure it's not, but the lighter fluid, like, like, that's really, it'll soak into your system so fast. Ill-suited for relief, I would say, yes. Well, that's why you don't butt-chug alcohol or whatever, because, like, it passes the blood-brain barrier and it absorbs into your liver a lot faster than the rest of your body, so you get drunk a lot faster. Well, maybe he just burned it all out before much absorbed. You have to be quick. I guess it's lighter fluid. It might burn really bad, too, just in and of itself, like, without that, being on I fire. I think that's what he was going for, anyway, was that burny sensation. So, if it did, that's, you know, great for him. He's, he's a weird dude. Uh, it is widely understood that Fish, almost surprisingly, never abused his children, though he did encourage them to spank him with a nail paddle. Which that's kind of abuse. I, was, I would argue is a form of abuse. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's, yeah. I would say that's abuse. Just because you're not physically hurting them doesn't mean that's not doing bad things to their brains. Right. It's not good. <laughs> it's certainly not a, it's not a positive. No. 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 I would, in fact, say it was a negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most definitely. Upon even five seconds of reflection, I yeah. would say that is yeah. immediately yeah. a negative. Growing up thinking that that's a normal thing for a parent to have a child do is uh not good yeah well the weird thing is you know most of these kids would have been old enough to like at least know that that was weird by mm -hmm. the time he got into any of this like they were yeah. all like at least six or seven yeah so it's but like, it's still like their it's her still parent their it's father still dad yeah, yeah it's still dad saying it so like i get it but it's also they they would still have that in the back of their mind like this is odd yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, this is a weird thing for a person to do. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, using his, quote-unquote, implements of hell, a cleaver, butcher's knife, a small handsaw, he would regularly torture and kill children. He'd usually choose disabled or black children, as he thought, unfortunately correctly, that they would be less missed. Mm-hmm. By 1924, Fish was 54, suffering from psychosis, and fully believed that his torture and murder of ch children was fulfilling God's commands. Okay. So he's straight up gone nuts at this point, but like he's 
also sane enough to keep it together and raise children and be a civil person during the daytime because mm-hmm. like he's getting away with this for years mm-hmm. well yeah which is just feeding his his holy war complex that he's got going on which is like a classic thing like the whole i'm on a mission from god i'm on like this holy war yeah kind of yeah it's weird it's weird that that's what like it doesn't seem like it started as that either which is the weird thing it seems like it was just like you know what he was gonna do and then like his psychosis whatever has him rolling around in rugs has turned this into a mission from god which Mm -hmm. is I mean, it's just justification, well, I guess, but... Because, yeah, it started out with, yeah, the rolling around in rugs and hearing John the Apostle. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Which he quotes a couple of times, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. as being, like, the thing he's hearing. Um, arrested in 1930 for one of his obscene letters, and again shortly after that, he was sent to Bellevue Hospital for observation. In 1928, Fish saw an ad that read, Young man, 18, wishes position in the country, Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. While originally attending to hire this young man to be his next victim, Albert missed their appointment date for their meetup, but sent a telegram with a new date. Upon his return, he met the 10-year-old sister of Edward, Grace Budd. Seeing her, his intentions changed. Grace Budd. (laughs) Seeing her, his intentions changed. He made up a story about uh, having to go to his niece's birthday party and somehow convinced Grace's parents to let her accompany him. How This is a a thing that's happened multiple times (laughs) in these true neutral, true crimes. And I'm just like, how do these fucking crazy people convince parents to just be like, oh yeah, you can take my kid. Sure, why not? I don't like, I really don't know. It's very odd. It's it's very odd. Um Okay, so instead of a party, the probably confused young girl was taken to an abandoned house that Fish had already picked to be the site of his next murder, most likely planned for her brother Edward. Yeah. Inside the abandoned property, he proceeded to callously take this innocent life, but that wasn't enough. He also ate various parts of her body. Somehow, he was not immediately arrested for this atrocity. In fact, Charles Edward Pope, a superintendent of the local school district, was accused, arrested, and spent 108 days in jail before being found innocent. Yep. Classic. So they just... Somebody just didn't like this guy, I guess. Yep. Got him got him thrown in jail for this. And so he just got away with it. Yeah. Fucking wretched. Which makes no sense at all. Like the the parents knew who she went with last. Like yeah. come on. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Um November 1934, six years after the child's brutal death, a letter was sent to the Bud household. The matron of the home was illiterate, so she had one of Grace's brothers read the letter to her. All right. I I want to do the letter in full. Okay. Oh, all right. Quote. <laughs> My dear Mrs. Budd, 
1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in the China. A famine in the China? (laughs) This is complete with misspellings and grammatical errors, so I am reading through misspellings as well. Okay, sorry. I know I shouldn't laugh, but that's... that's... (laughs) Returning to the quote. A meat of any kind was from one to three dollars a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up or, and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop in the butcher uh, you could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John said there John said there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. Mm-hmm. On his return <laughs> to New York he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven. He took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, and burned everything they had on. Several times, every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old boy, because he had the fattest ass, and of course, the most meat on it. (coughs) Every part of the body was cooked and eaten, except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next, went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, rear, right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street. Brought you pot cheese, strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her, on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on there. When I was all ready, I went to the windows and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and then run downstairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked naked how she did kick bite and scratch i choked her to death then cut her to small pieces so i could take my meat to my rooms and cook it and eat it how sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven it took me nine days to eat her entire body i did not fuck her though i could have if i wished she died a virgin brutal unquote that the throwing up was me um (laughs) That Sorry wasn't part that. of the quote. No. <laughs> there wasn't a bleh at the end. It's just, uh, I, don't th- I don't think he felt that way. <clears throat> it seemed hard for you to get through. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. But I made it. I made it. That's, uh, it's why The reason I wanted to read that in full is because a mother, who is illiterate, had to hear that entire weird story. Mm-hmm. From her son's, Grace Bud's brother. Yeah. So he had to read this first and tell his mother 
this weird fucked up story, and then that his sister, her daughter, was eaten. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it's just such a weird fucking letter to get in that particular instance at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blows me away. Yeah, it's crazy. I just can't imagine that experience, and I, yeah. Whew. <laughs> well, it's done now. It's done now. Much of this letter was left unverified, but the details of the abduction were accurate, so they believed it true. All right. The letter was written on stationery from a company whose employee had left it in the boarding room. The landlady was able to confirm Fish was staying in that room. When police confronted Fish, he branded he brandished a razor blade, but was quickly disarmed and taken in. <laughs> a razor blade. Yeah. Is he going to attack the cops or cut his own throat? Uh, it, it's not clear, but it seemed like he was uh, in a defensive, more of a defensive stance. Okay. So, okay. Like, not going to kill himself, just like just going going to defend himself yeah, with a razor blade. Not going down without a fight. Yeah. He And he went down pretty fast, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> doesn't sound like he's ever really had to fight when you only take down kids you know that's a fair call he goes for the easy targets because he probably knows that he would have a too hard of a time with an adult yeah weak in every sense of the word uh when yeah sorry read that one mm-hmm. um various killings were attributed to him once his nature and previous locations were revealed Francis McDonald's body, McDonald, sorry, um, was found hanging from a tree, having been assaulted pre-hanging. When he failed to return from playing catch, friends he had, he had been taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache, hence the gray man. Billy Gaffney, a four-year-old who went missing after playing catch in the neighborhood with two other boys, one of the other boys claimed Gaffney was taken by the boogeyman. And we have another letter. Oh, fun. I think I'm going to let you read it. Okay. We'll have to very carefully turn the laptop so we don't mess with the uh, the cables. Yeah. Give us just a moment. Just this section in the middle here? Yep, yep. That, that, All nice, right. that sectioned out section. You see it? Yeah, I might this be is... a little louder for this because I have to kind of squint to see the, the laptop from the distance I'm at. So. All right, uh, this is a, a, a confession letter. All right, if this is really loud, I apologize. I brought, her, I brought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the G-boy there, stripped him naked, and has had his hands and feet or tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took a trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked home from there. Next day, about 2 p.m., <clears throat> I took tools, a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut every one of my belts in half, slit these half and six strips about eight inches long, I whipped his bear behind until the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. 
I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below the belly button. Then through his legs, about two inches below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head, feet, arms, hands, and the legs below the knees. This I put in the sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into the pools of slimy water you will see all along the road to the north beach. Water is three to four feet deep. They sank at once. I came home with my meat. I had the front part of his body I liked best. His his monkey and peewees and nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put it in the oven. Then I picked four onions, and when the meat had roasted about a quarter hour, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I tasted his behind with a wooden spoon, so the meat would be nice and juicy. Or he basted it. Basted, not tasted. Sorry, I'm blind. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet little fat behind did. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as his nut, but his peewees I could not chew. Threw them in the toilet. Unquote. Blech. <laughs> uh. God. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, there is a citation here, or there's a thing here that says uh, the citation still needed for it, but uh, uh, it said that Gaffney's mother, uh, Elizabeth, went to visit him in Sing Sing, and uh, Fish refused to speak to her, and then cried for two hours and left to be asked to be left alone. Okay. And uh, Elizabeth didn't seem to believe that he was the killer for some reason. <laughs> And all the evidence, I I don't know. That's it feels it feels like it's right there. The G boy. Yeah. I don't I don't know. None of the other accused victims had a G to start their name, so. Mm-hmm. Gaffney seems like the, seems like the one. Mm-hmm. Whew. <laughs> all right. So the rest of this I don't have written out. So sorry if it's a little more scattered. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Um. Fish was put to trial for the murder of Grace Bud on uh, March 11th in 1935 in All right. White Plains, New York. Now that everyone York. stopped being dumb because he actually had to confess to it before anyone would believe that he did it. Apparently so. Um, Judge Frederick P. Close presided in Westchester County uh, with attorney Albert F. Gallagher, prosecuting attorney. Gallagher. Yeah. Such a good name, especially for a prosecuting attorney. Yeah. If, if I was the defendant and the prosecuting attorney's name was Gallagher, I would be a, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's no winning this. Fish's defense counsel was uh, James Dempsey, a uh, former prosecutor and one-time mayor of Peekskill, New York. Peekskill. One-time mayor. That's like... 
I was a lawyer. Then I was a mayor. Now I wasn't a, a very good again. mayor. So now I'm a lawyer again. Um, Fish, of course, pleaded insanity because um, he heard voices from God telling him to kill the children. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's, you know, that's the time when you actually do plead insanity. Yeah. Um, several psychiatrists... I'm just reading straight from Wikipedia now, just to be clear, credit Wikipedia. <laughs> um, several psychiatrists testified about Fish's sexual tendencies, which included sadism, masochism, flagellation, exhibitionism, voyeurism, peakerism, cannibalism, coprophagia, urophilia, hemotolongenia, uh, pedophilia, necrophilia, and infibulation. That's a long list. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. The ones we didn't go over, I don't know what... Oh, uh, flagellation is self-punishment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Exhibitionism is showing yourself in public. Voyeurism is watching when people don't know. Mm -hmm. um, Picurism is uh, a fixation on stabbing. Okay. Um, cannibalism, coprophagia we went over. Urophilia is just a love of urine. Um, I'm going to guess hematolognia... Is blood. Is blood. It's the same thing as the... The urine yeah. drinking, I think it's blood drinking. Mm -hmm. um, pedophilia, necrophilia, I think we all know, and I'm not sure what infibulation is. I don't know what that one is either. Yeah. Um, he, Dempsey noted that fish was a psychiatric phenomenon. <laughs> nowhere in legal or medical records was there another individual who possessed so many sexual abnormalities. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I didn't make this connection before. Um, so the defense's chief, chief expert witness was uh, Frederick Wortham. And if you recognize that name and you love comic books, there's a reason why. He's the guy who... Um, effectively made the comics code authority happen oh because of his um just lambasting of comic books in the 1950s mm -hmm. he just put it in front of people that comics were bad and making people it's the video game argument yeah but in the 50s yeah it's yeah, the, yeah it's the same thing but he was uh like huge proponent wrote a big book everybody heard about and that's where the the Batman and Robin gay insinuation really got its footing. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, interesting. Batman's a groomer. <laughs> yeah, that's a. It depends on what issues you read. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, um. So, yeah, Wortham explained Fish's obsession with religion and specifically his preoccupation with the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac, uh, Genesis 22, 1 to 24. Mm -hmm. Wortham mm -hmm. said that... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You don't know. I've read the Bible. <laughs> fuck you. I don't believe in it, but I've read it. That's the quickest way to not believe in it. <laughs> Just read the whole thing front to back. I, I didn't believe in it before I read it. I... But, but if you did, if you did, and you were really trying to take the whole thing seriously, you just, like, at a certain point, like, have to go, I, what is yeah. this? What no. actually is this? I read it as a collection of good stories. And as that, it's not terrible. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are not. 
Some of them are fine. Some of them are funny. A guy gets eaten by a whale. Yeah. They Pinocchio the shit out of that guy. Um, what about the, um, the Wandering Jew is really funny. Yeah. He's just, he's just cursed to walk forever because yeah. Jesus was what, in a bad mood? Yeah. <laughs> I what? like it when Jesus flipped the table and started whipping the loan sharks. <laughs> that was a good, that was a good moment. Oh, man. What a weird comedy. <laughs> um, Two people eat an apple so they get kicked out of a garden forever. <laughs> like, come on. Um, Wortham said that Fish believed that similarly sacrificing a boy would be penance for his own sins. That even if the act itself was wrong, angels would prevent it if God did not approve. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure they will. Angels didn't stop me, so it was definitely the right thing to do. Yep. As penance. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Wouldn't be the first time God's asked for a child sacrifice. Nope. (laughs) Not even close. I mean, he kind of stopped doing that after after he had Jesus. <sighs> Once Jesus came into the, the planet, he kind of mellowed out and stopped asking for child sacrifices. But yeah. Old Testament God was angry. Yeah. <laughs> Give me blood. <laughs> All right, so... Uh... The last question the defense Dempsey asked Wortham... Was fifteen thousand words long. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of information in one question. It detailed Fisher's life and ended with how, uh, with asking how the doctor considered his mental condition based on this life. Wortham simply answered, "He is insane." I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think that was pretty clear. Good job, <laughs> thumbs up, guy. You could have just asked. In your professional opinion, do you think he's insane? And the guy would be like, yes. (laughs) Job done. (laughs) Instead, you took 15 minutes to give a life story. (laughs) (laughs) The Gallagher cross-examined Wortham on whether Fish knew the difference between right and wrong. He responded that he didn't. Uh, He did know, but that it was a perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sin, atonement, and religion, and thus was an insane knowledge. (laughs) So, no, Mr. Wortham, he did not understand the difference between right and wrong. If his entire moral center has been shifted, he does not understand the general difference between right and wrong that we all accept. I think what he was trying to say is that he has his own morals and his own version of what right and wrong is, but he said it in a very poor way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but even having your own version and fully believing that is not knowing the difference between right and wrong as it is socially accepted. Mm -hmm. That's actively a delusion. Yeah. It, It would be more of a, he knows a version of right and wrong. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's still his version, and that's still not it's still not in the it's it's not in the spirit of the question. Yeah, like trade and property's a monopoly. Yeah, come on. Well, that's a normal thing. Come on, it's not. Yes, it is. I know it's normal. Everyone does it. Everyone's always done that. 
I know it's normal as we play it now. I just think it would be more fun if you had to play by the rules of that game because it always ends up a shit show when people start doing shit like that. That's what ends up making fights and shit. <laughs> if you just follow the rules of the game, I bet more people would get through it. But everybody finds rules because that game's actually kind of boring. I love Monopoly. I, really, I disagree entirely. I really enjoy Monopoly, but I enjoy playing by all the rules. We should do a Monopoly game. We have yeah. so many Monopolies. We actually have like eight different versions of Monopoly. Nice. Including a Spider-Man one. That's cool. Oh, yeah, I've played that. Yeah. I don't like the that a lot of the new versions of Monopoly... I'm sorry, this is off topic. <laughs> but I don't like that a lot of the new versions of Monopoly have, like, they're not just traditional Monopoly. Like, they have their own money for it and their oh, yeah. own way. Like, the Spider-Man one's a really good for instance, because it doesn't have tokens. money. It has these cardboard token cutouts, which I get they're mass-producing these games. It costs more these days. But they don't have, like, the normal set standard of money. They have just ones and fives, yeah. and that's all you work with throughout the game. Yeah. And I don't like the, the rule changing that happens in between and the special little extra stuff. That I just want to play a game of Monopoly. I want it yeah. to... I don't like the quick Monopoly they have nowadays. I'm like, no, I play a game of Monopoly, I expect it to go for like three to six hours. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, you would hate the Animal Crossing Monopoly that we have. It's fun. Um, Okay, sorry. That is definitely off topic for (laughs) this. There's no true crime Monopoly that I know of, and I feel like that might be in bad taste. (laughs) I don't know who Boardwalk and Park Place would be in serial killer monopoly <laughs> it's, it's probably bundy right he's may- got to be one of them like maybe jill de ray <laughs> uh, he'd probably be a lesser known lesser known so he'd be farther down mm-hmm. probably be Dahmer. yeah bundy, it would probably honest. at this point it would probably be Dahmer because he's super popular yeah. again which is a weird thing to say. John Wayne Gacy would be in the green section. Yeah. We should stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Someone draw up some fan art of Serial Monopoly for me. Don't please. do it. It's probably already existing in fan art and it's in poor taste. That's what I, I'm saying that it's in poor taste. <laughs> Come on. Live a little. It'd be really good if they had money, but it was just all bloodstained. Yeah! See? Now you're getting <laughs> no, it. No, I absolutely get it. I love, I love it, but I hate it. It's in poor taste. But, like, a horror version of Monopoly would be fun to design that wasn't based on real-life people with actual real-life victims whose families are alive today, and we should really respect them a little bit and not put them on board games like that. But we could do, like a like, a... Like they made Jeffrey Dahmer one. into a fucking Netflix show. Come on. It's really intense. It's show. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> you can appreciate that, but you think this is in poor taste? I think, yes, playing a game of Monopoly with the serial killer's faces on it and determining their worth around the board <laughs> is in poor taste. <laughs> That is a ranking of serial killers publicly available and produced by a toy company. That's a bad call. That's like, that's like if fucking Hasbro was like, I need to do a serial killer tier list. Okay, now make it Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. What do you make the railroads? Torture implements? It's bad. It's all bad. Uh, it's, it's, you're, it's, uh, 
serial killer shoving bodies into the trunks of cars or something. Like, you know. <laughs> Famous hidden locations of bodies. Yeah, yeah. Highways or deserts or something. One of them's just wait, gone John Wayne Gacy's basement. See, this is bad. This is all bad. I am declaring, I have been declaring that it is in poor taste. This is all in poor taste. It's bad. I need to write out the whole report next time so we won't get so off track. Jesus Christ. Dempsey asked if coprophilia, europhilia, and pedophilia indicated a sane or insane person. We've been over this. Gregory replied that such a person was not mentally sick. And that these were common perversions that were socially perfectly all right. And that Fish was no different from millions of other people. Maybe not millions, but I mean, that's okay, not... Okay, coprophilia and europhilia are all consensual yes, and good. Yes. The third thing on there was pedophilia. Yeah, yeah, the third thing on there is bad. It's not socially acceptable. No. I don't think any of those are honestly like <laughs> not socially. Not you wouldn't, socially you would not if you wouldn't bring it up at a party. It's probably not socially acceptable. And, and now they again, would have parties for people like that, mm-hmm. who are people are into that. I like was say, there have, is like, a niche, yeah. obviously. Yeah, but like if you go to a general party that is just like a party, a, a public event kind of party, mm-hmm. you like start a, pissing on people. You can't R Kelly people. They get mad. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Um, Especially not on their kids. (laughs) I guess some fathers just take a payment, though, and then that's enough for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've got opinions, all right? (laughs) Um, Some very prominent and successful... Who, uh, oh, no different from millions of other people. That's a quote. Yeah. Some very prominent and successful who had, quote, the very same, unquote, perversions. The next witness was the resident physician at the tombs, Perry Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. <laughs> That's such a good name. <laughs> Dempsey objected to a doctor with no training in psychiatry testifying to the issue of sanity, but Justice Close overruled on the basis. Uh, that the jury could decide whether the uh, what weight to give a prison doctor. Okay. I don't think that's fair, no. actually. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Um. <laughs> when asked whether Fish causing himself pain indicated a mental condition, Lichtenstein replied, "That is not masochism." As he was only punishing himself to get sexual gratification. I think that is exactly masochism, is it not? (laughs) Like, Albert Fish was fucked up and deserved to go to jail and probably die. I will full on absolutely yes. Yeah. But his court case is a fucking nonsense. Like, what are the, what drugs are these people taking? (laughs) The next witness, Charles Lambert, testified that coprophilia was a common practice and that religious cannibalism may be psychopathic, but was a matter of taste, quotes. And was not and not evidence of a psychosis. I think maybe they're just fighting to get him like sane. Yeah, the sane ruled as sane, so they can kill him. Yeah, just so they can kill him. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what was happening because none of this makes any sense. You have to hope so because this is otherwise it's just incompetent. They these people should not be doctors if that is not the case. (laughs) 
The, la- the last witness, James Vavasour, Vavasour, it's spelled like Vavasour. Vavasour! R- repeated Lambert's opinions. <laughs> Another defense witness was Mary Nicholas, Fish's 17 year old stepdaughter. She described how Fish taught her and her brothers and sisters several games involving overtones of masochism and child molestation. Okay, that's not good. Nope. Um, none of the jurors doubted that Fish was insane, but ultimately, as one later explained, that they felt they sh- he should be executed anyway. <laughs> no one was voting for this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those people that everyone's just like, "Not sorry, buddy, you, you, you die. You go to hell, you die. <laughs> they found him to be sane and guilty. Yeah. The judge sentenced the defendant to death by electrocution. So, uh, January 16th, 19th. That's the way to go. Yeah, on January 16th, 1936, in the electric chair at Sing Sing. He was electrocuted and died. Uh, was pronounced dead at 11.09 p.m. In the chair at 11.06. Three minutes. Well, uh... Until yeah. pronounced dead. Yeah. Like... Last words? Uh, Fish is said to have helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body. His last words... <laughs> Oh, that's a power move. It really is. <laughs> His last words were reportedly, I don't even know why I'm here. Oh, that's amazing. According to one witness present, it took two jolts before Fish died, creating the rumor that the apparatus was short-circuited by the needles that Fish inserted to his body. <laughs> These rumors were later regarded as untrue, as Fish reportedly died in the same fashion and time frame as others in the electric chair. Okay. Um, uh, you're telling me they didn't remove the needles from his junk i think he just had them in there like he had just all like piercings at that point yeah like they were just all in his groin there's an x-ray picture of his groin no no thank you (laughs) well now i gotta find it god yeah, I'll just find it afterwards. Maybe I, if I remember, I'll post it. I I need to post like six pictures I told people I would post in this <laughs> podcast. Um, he was buried in the Sing Sing Prison Cemetery. Uh, yeah. Uh, at a meeting with reporters after the execution, Fish's lawyer, James Dempsey, revealed that he was in possession of his client's final statement. This amounted to several pages of handwritten notes that Fish apparently penned in the hours just prior to his death. When pressed by the assembled journalist to reveal the document's contents, Dempsey refused, stating, I will never show it to any anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenities that I have ever read. Damn. So his final, his real final words never really got out because his, his uh, defense attorney was like, fuck that. No one needs to hear this. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Albert Fish's... That's crazy. Thing. I am super fascinated by like the the holy war ideal of it's... like the like you, you think that you hear like the legitimate voice of God and and you, like you have to like you, I mean because there's all manner of holy war out there. There's some people that you know obviously like kill children. There's some people that are on a holy war and they kill, like, prostitutes or, you know, some Cleaning people... up the streets kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Some people think they're, like, superheroes or whatever. Oh, God. 
That's a. I'm showing Derek a picture of uh, Albert Fish's pelvis. Yeah, it's, it's an X-ray. Full of needles. A couple of them look like full-on nails. I'm not gonna lie. There's a couple of those are fucking big. Yeah, they're they're not small. Good. They're full on. But yeah, this uh, this idea of and, and it almost is, seems to me that it starts in like a, a base of like uh, schizophrenia because schizophrenics hear the voices talking to them constantly. Oh yeah. And it's just like. The psychosis develops as you fixate on one of those voices and you start to believe it to be, like, the voice of angels or the voice of God or something, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, that's a totally fair assumption in this case, and um, specifically because of, like, it seems he was gay, like, on top of everything else that he went through. Mm -hmm. It seems that, like, he started a relationship with a paper boy, he went to sex work, where probably one of the only places in that time where you could be openly gay Mm -hmm. and you know it was fine because nobody cared about sex workers anyway so yeah it's fucked up but that's like one of the only places he could Mm -hmm. be do what he wanted to do and then he was forced to be a family man on top of that Mm -hmm. so like there's there's a weird level of if I think it was just acceptable to do what he wanted to do in a safe space, I don't think people would have gotten hurt. Yeah. And I, in my opinion, the religion thing's easy to account for because especially back then, it was oh, a yeah. lot more prevalent than it is even now. Yeah, I mean, it was, even when we were kids, I feel like it was more of a thing for families to just casually go to church, like mm-hmm. not really caring, but mm-hmm. and I feel like our generation kind of knocked it out of there because we just were... Nope, we didn't start caring at any point like mm-hmm. other generations had, and we just and especially back going. then because things like orphanages were usually done by the church, like yeah, yeah, it was often nuns running that shit. Mm-hmm. So those those religious ideals just get ingrained into you. Yeah, and yeah, if you're a bad deal, yeah, you probably he probably had to read like the Old Testament a lot and a lot of you know sacrifice to God and things happened in the Old Testament like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and if he was already developing a taste for pain and like alongside that, and then when you think about the super orthodox side of religion, Catholicism and uh, Judaism, you get that. Um, the the flagellation is part of it yeah yeah it's uh, a big part flailing yourself or flogging yourself to atone for your sins taking it physically like a pound of flesh or whatever you know making up for it yeah and uh so like it's really easy to see like the connections that start to happen there it's it's it's, it's not good it's not good but it's incredibly fascinating to me the psychology behind it it really is that's i mean one of the main things with these like i've talked about this before but you know I, I lost my cousin to somebody who shot her and then killed himself and that's like what yeah what i mean from understanding they were about to break up and that may have been the motivating factor but mm-hmm. like it usually is it's still in, it's insane to it is that. oh so, yeah yeah like no it is it's absolutely it's a batshit crazy response to a situation. Yeah, so it's it's something I've always longed to understand, and while I can see points and understand the psychological aspect, I still can't 
understand how anybody could do any of this, especially writing that letter to that mom. Mm-hmm. See, I think that falls mm. under, like, like a pure psychosis. Just at that point, he probably had, he was crazy enough to not care anymore. Right. Before that, he had been hiding everything. At that point, he had lost his mind to the extent of he didn't understand probably that sending these letters out, that admitting to these things would have the consequences they would have, let alone maybe even consequences at all. Right. Like, yeah. he probably just had no concept of that in any way. He was just Concept-tequences. seeking... Consequences. He was just... Because he already also had made such a habit over his life of writing these nasty letters to women just to begin with. Yeah, that was just a thing he did. So writing this letter to, to her was nothing. Yeah. It was just another day. It was another letter that he was writing. That's fair. He did wait six years to send it, too. Mm-hmm. Well, it did, I'm assuming it was a slow transition as he lost his mind. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to have been a, a quick one. No, it was over a period of years. That carpet rolling thing was pretty early on in his psychosis, though, so, that's, like, it could have just been breaks. That's just apostolic religion. Yeah. That's, that's what the apostolics do. Hmm. They, I, I remember I went to an apostolic uh, sermon once when I was younger, in my early teenage years, me and my friends were wandering around in Kamii. There was, Every sermon is weird and different. And uh, we just happened to see, like, we'd heard stories about the apostolics and th- what happened at their sermons, but we'd never been to one. And uh, we just happened to be walking by their church, and they were having the sermon that day, and so we went in to check it out. We are kind of, like, you know, hanging out in the back row. And at one point, like, they, like, the 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 speech or whatever stops the the priest or whatever at the front I don't remember what they're called the preacher mm-hmm. um, kind of stops and he says it's time for everyone to atone for their sins and suddenly people are like they start shaking and looking like they're seizing some of them are like just speaking gibberish like they're speaking in tongues some of them like flop on the ground and start rolling around they're doing all manner of just weird shit to help like release the sins from their bodies oh, and videos of that are fantastic i'd love to see it in person it was a 13 year old derek was interested and mildly horrified at the same time and oh, we yeah. left very shortly after that it's it, in my opinion, that's just a way for adults to play, like yeah. like it sounds silly, but it there is. There were silly. kids there too, and they were all like, well, yeah, I mean, because like, yeah, that's like their family. That they're just they're just following suit. They're they're just being silly kids. They're just following along with this silly thing that all the adults are doing. But like, as an adult, you just don't like, especially in a time where you just have to work. And go to church, and you're expected to be up, you know, upstanding and good all mm-hmm. the time, or serious otherwise. Like, there's, it's just like a place for you to let loose and be fucking nonsense. And I think that is like the key reason for the speaking in tongues yeah. bits. I feel like they take it a lot more seriously than that, though. I feel like they, 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 they abs- actually, they absolutely <laughs> do. It's just releasing a bit of that that they can't like they can't come to terms with on an everyday basis. Yeah. Is is the main thing. 
Anyway, we're just talking about religion now, and uh, this is an <laughs> Albert Fish episode, so I think well, we're going to... Well, I mean, I think it's prevalent to the story, though, I think. Yeah, we're just going to go keep going on religious tangents if we keep going. Yeah, and, uh, we'll just do a bonus episode about religion so I can ramble for a while, because I know a lot. I, so. Well, I also know a lot, and uh, most of it is bullshit. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, but uh, I think we but, both have pretty extensively studied that, so... Yeah, um... Albert Fish. Yeah, that Bad fucked dude. up story. I finally got my cannibal story. Yep, Derek got a cannibal. And uh, true news for true crime. True news for true crime. Peace out. Brant.